Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. What's up, what's up? If you love Jesus, say I do. If you love Jesus, say I do. All right, so let's pray, right? Let's pray. It's a good way to silence the room, right? Father, we just come to you and we thank you for an already amazing night where we know your presence is here and we know that your spirit is here and we just want to thank you for allowing us just a time to be able to enter into your presence and to be able to grow a little bit closer to you and for us to be able to kind of shrug off some of the worries of this world and uh, Lord, we just first and foremost ask for your, just your protection of this room, but also uh, that you just void out any distractions, that you, uh, any more chaos, any more calamity. Lord, let us just be able to focus just uh, for this moment in time. Let us just focus on you. Let us grow in you. Uh, Lord, just be with us tonight as we dive into your word. For it's your name, amen. Um. You, me, we, part two. You know, nothing like a good old, uh, just a good old relationship uh, sermon. You know, uh, when I meet up with guys for lunch, if uh, you have ever eaten lunch with me, drank some coffee with me, just came up to the office to, to hang out, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a process of what I try to kind of go through. I first and foremost, I'm like, well, like, what's your major, right? Are you still passing school? Are you still going to be here next semester, right, type of thing? Um, I try to evaluate where they're at, and then somewhere down the road, I'm like, where are you from? Tell me who you are. Uh, and then I'm just, you know, I just was like, well, tell me about Jesus. You know, somehow I try to weave in the, the spiritual talk. I'm like, well, do they know Jesus? Do they not know Jesus? And um, if they don't, then I try to have a little bit of a, a little, a little bit of evangelism, and I try to, you know, sh- share the gospel. But some way, shape, or another, relationships comes into play, right? I, I might be a little bit led on by me. I'm like, so you got a girlfriend yet? Like, you know, and they're like, well, no, not yet. Right? I'm really seeking the Lord. No, no one says that, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm taking some time with Jesus right now. And so... Um, I don't know who talks like that, but uh, I always try to weave in relationships, and it's either lack thereof, they're either, they either just broke up with someone, someone just broke up with them, I've had a lot of dudes call me crying, alright, it's okay guys, we're emotional beings, okay, just don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, okay, you can wait until the, you can wait till the next day, um, uh, no lie, I'm just going to say this. Uh, we did have six breakups over one sermon two years ago. All six guys, no lie, all six guys got a hold of me some way, shape, or another, and they said, I hate you, but I love you at the same time. And all six breakups, I was like, hey, that wasn't me, that was Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. Why do you think I try to weave in relationships into the itinerary of getting to know somebody? Because of the majority of us in this room, relationships are a big deal to us. You know, not only have they been a big deal to us now, for a lot of us, they were a big deal to us 
since we can remember, right? A lot of us can remember our first love. Anybody? Anybody remember the first crush, right? Mine was kindergarten, Casey Allison, blonde hair, blue eyes. I loved her to death, all right? I was crazy about her until 10th grade. What a loser, right? It took me, it took me those 10 years to realize she didn't care a flip about me, right? Broke my heart. It still hurts, guys. It still hurts to this day. But you know what's crazy is this. You, like me, either have been in a relationship or lack thereof. It has been on your mind a while. You think about it. You daydream about it. You dream about it at night. Relationships are a big deal to you. My goal for tonight with this message is, uh, you know, I, I wanted it to fit in this nice little neat box with you, with me, and with we, right? But it's just like, uh, this sermon tonight, it's just so bigger than just me, because I don't feel like that it's just about, just about the one person. I think it's evaluating both people, and, and one of the things that God led me into is kind of the, the warning signs of, of a relationship, and sign of, some of the red flags as, as I have learned throughout the study of this scripture, and um, I want to give credit where credit is due because I'm that type of pastor. Um, I heard a sermon on this same subject, I think it was about September, uh, from a church in Dallas. Uh, they gave uh, a sermon over this, and homeboy slayed it. And I'm like, you know what? I think this would hit with crossover, and it's the backbone of his sermon. I, I, I literally took the, some of the bones from his sermon. I actually uh, took a lot of my notes that I've taken with other sermons, and I've dropped some little golden nuggets, um, but this sermon tonight uh, is, I think it's just so powerful. It just, it just had to be shared with crossover, because I think that so many of us, we need to see some of the warning signs in our life. And so we're going to be in Song of Solomon. How many sermons have you heard about that? Amen? All right. Song of Solomon, chapter one. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading, okay? So if you're ADHD, listen, people, read verbatim, okay? Don't, don't try to think about, oh, there's a squirrel, right? No, just stay, like, stay with me with the words here. And we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be reading. Let's do it. Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse two. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For Yeah, we're going there. Come on now. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt you and rejoice in you. We will extol you, your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. This is from she. I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark. You know, we tried to get darker and more tan, right? We're trying to lay out. But back in the day, if you were darker and tan, I mean, you were a labor worker, right? And she's saying, don't look at me because I, I am darker. I'm one of those who are... Are, are working out in the fields. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me a keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, 
where your pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? This is Solomon now. If you do not know, O most beautiful young woman, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. He's not saying that you look like a horse, okay? Let's get that straight. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. This is other people talking. We will make for you ornaments of gold. We will stud it with silver. This is her. While the king was on her couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. This was a, a, this was a necklace that had a little pouch on it with fragrance. My beloved is to me as a sacket of myrrh that lies between my breasts. Yes, I said that. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna, blossoms in the vineyards of Injidi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As lily among the brambles, so is my love among the young women. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner was over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Everybody take a breath. Whew, come on. This was a lot. Song of Solomon. Let's, let's, let's do it. There are some warning signs that I believe that are in a relationship that we are learning about in Song of Solomon. I think that we really need to, we need to pay attention to. And this is kind of what is, how this is laid out. If I can just kind of give just a little, just a little reference here. Is that, is that this is actually three people talking. This is Solomon. This is his bride. And this is other people that are witnessing the relationship. And so I think that we can look at all three accounts, what they say, and I think we can kind of highlight. Um, I'm going to talk about five warning signs, or I've heard it said five red flags, or five stop signs I've heard from some of the other pastors about relationships. My question and my warning sign, number one, if we can just look at this text, is simply this What is your why for falling in love? And what is someone else's why for falling in love with you? What is your why? In chapters 1, verse 2 and 3, we see that uh, this, this, this bride is wanting, she's wanting some Solomon. Amen. She is, she's, want, she's wanting his body. All right, that's essentially what, what we are reading here. And this is what she says. She says, let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth. Now, if you look in the Hebrew context, it actually says, let him kiss me and kiss me and kiss me over and over again. She isn't holding back. like She's laying it down, all right? She, she's not letting anything fool anybody. She is saying that your love is better than wine. And then something happens here. She qualifies it. She tells us of and why she loves him. She says, for your name is poured out, is oil poured out, therefore even virgins love you. And what she is saying is simply this. 
She doesn't love him because of his cute looks or for, for his Greek body, like example, right? Dad bod, just kidding. But sympathy pains. My wife's pregnant, all right? I've got to add some weight. She's not saying your eyes are so beautiful. She's saying, but your name has been poured out. And what she is saying is that your character is so great that even the countryside and the nations are speaking about who you are. And they like you for who you are. And they know you for who you are. And everybody respects you. Your name is poured out like oil. See, the character in this text is making me ask this question about the why. See, for the person that I'm seeking and for the person that I am, it's what makes me attractive beyond my looks and what makes other people attractive beyond their looks. See, if you take beauty, if you take the looks of somebody, which the Bible says is fleeting, you know, you're not going around saying, man, that 70-year-old looking fine, right? You're not, you're not walking around talking about a whole bunch of 70-year-olds, right? Because looks can be fleeting. If you take a step back and you look at someone's character, you look at who the person is, and you look back and you evaluate who you are. Students, if I can just be honest with you, let me talk to the females for just a second. You want me to tell you what an attractive man or male looks like? An attractive male in this context, in this world right now, you ready for this? It's someone who has laid their life down at the feet of Jesus and says, you know what, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I want to give you everything that I have. I know that you came and you died for me. You know what, I want to live every breath that I live to honor you, to glorify you. I want to love people that are unlovable. I want to reach people that are unreachable. I want to be able to glorify you in all that I do, in all that I say, in all that I am. That is an attractive man. Can I get a hallelujah, all right? You want me to tell you what an attractive female looks like? You ready? Someone who has, ready? This is a big secret here. Laid their life down for Jesus and said, you know what? You are the Savior of my world. I don't get my identity in what other people say about me. I get my identity in what you say about me. And I'm going to live and I'm going to glorify and I'm going to testify to these unreached people, to these unloving people. And I want to be able to grow in likeness of you. And my goal and my aim is to be able to walk through the gates of heaven and say, well done, my good and faithful child. That is what an attractive woman looks like in this world. Can I get amen, brothers? Come on now. Don't be scared. This is where I think that we get caught up in our, in our generation. Is that we look at the minority of someone's character. We don't look at the majority of someone's character. And what I think that we do is we have a checklist. Do we not? We have like a little three-part checklist, okay? They say that they love Jesus. They do go to church sometimes. And they have a little bit of biblical knowledge. Right? And we're like, check, check, check. And what is sad about that, especially in our generation, is that is the minority of their character. It's not the majority of their character. Because of the majority of their character is not signifying, is not pointing, is not loving like Jesus. It's actually looking like the world or trying to be towards themselves or trying to cover up some insecurity that they have. 
See, we get into a relationship with someone who has a bad majority character. And we expect them to behave and to live and to treat you the way that Jesus wants them to treat you. And they don't. Listen, students, we need to flip-flop our goals and and our discernment in our lives. And we need to look at the majority of someone's character. And we need to make sure that the ultimate goal of their life and their, their, their world is to glorify Christ. Because if there is not, and your character is bent towards loving and living for Jesus, I'm telling you, 10 out of 10 times, they will always pull you down. You will not pull them up. Can I just say that? Has anyone ever tried a missionary date before and tried to pull someone up closer to Jesus, you're not going to pull them closer to Jesus. They're going to pull you closer to the world. Amen? Got a couple mumbles in there. Come on. Praise Jesus. How many of you are like a senior in college, junior in college, and you're like, you know what, man, I thought I just... Uh, man, I just thought I was going to be closer to Jesus by now. I thought I, I was going to be walking closer to Jesus now. Maybe, just maybe, why don't you take a look at the person that you're dating and look at their character and say, you know what, is everything in their life pointing themselves closer to Jesus and does that make me want to grow closer to Jesus? Or is it, I'm, hey, I say this with a loving heart, or is it, hey, why don't you please me? Because maybe we're not growing closer to Jesus because our person that we're dating has sidelined Jesus and they're living for themselves. And we've attached our lives to them and we, put in, we spend how much time with the person that we're dating. Maybe we're not growing closer to Jesus because our boyfriend or girlfriend isn't growing closer to Jesus. A person whose character is built up in Jesus, I'm telling you right now, cannot, cannot attach their life with someone who is, who is not built up in the character with Jesus because it will just never work. And if you do, I'm telling you, the relationship is going to crumble. You have no stability. You have no foundation to build on. Also, if you are evaluating yourself, ask people, you need to ask, not ask people yet. That's coming. But why don't you ask yourself, what do, why do people want to be in a relationship with me? Is it because of my characteristics? Is it because of my character and my love for Jesus? Or is it because of my looks? Come on now. I always had the problem with people loving me for my looks, you know? <laughs> Lies, right? Just kidding. It's the truth. But... um. I will say that whatever the reason you start your relationship, whatever reason it was for you starting your relationship, will be whatever you sustain your relationship with. So if you start your relationship because of your looks, or you start your relationships because of their looks, you're expecting those looks to be the thing that sustains your relationship. Amen? But, if beauty is fleeting, and looks can just become normal, and everything is built up on passion and looks, it's not going to be sustaining. But if your relationship is built on the character and the love and the passion and the compassion and the restoration of Jesus Christ, that is a relationship that's going to be built on, on Jesus and it's going to be sustained by Jesus. Amen? So warning one is why? Why are you in love with them? Or why, 
Are they in love with you? You've got to evaluate character. Warning two we see is do other people celebrate the two of you? In chapter four it says here, it's the other's comment, we will exalt you and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Do other people rejoice with you? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because I think it kind of makes a little bit of sense in itself. But my question is, is do your friends and your trusted confidants, do they actually approve of the person that you are either going for or the person that you are, are with right now? See, Proverbs is a very good book, all right? If you want to learn, hey, what do I need to read first? Let's just go through a Proverbs a day, all right? Why don't you look at Proverbs? Because what it talks about is that we need to have wise counsel in your life. It is wise to have wise counsel. Having friends that are loving Jesus around you, that are pushing you closer to Jesus. You know, as we've said many times before, you're the average of your five close as friends. It is good to have friends that love Jesus. And I just want to say a side note here. As maybe some of us, we have had bad quality relationships because we've had bad quality friends. Friends that don't necessarily look at someone's heart, but someone that looks at someone's body and they're like, bro, good job, right? Oh, sister? I don't know how y'all do it, right? Like, Go get him, girl! Right? I don't know. That's horrible. Forgive me. I was a senior in college, and um, I, my, my boys and I, we loved to play ping pong, and we went to the uh, student union building um, there at OBU, and uh, I was just smashing people. I mean, just like headband, like, I mean, I was just, ah, like screaming. I'm like, I was one of those guys, right? Just slaying people. That's a call out. If you think you're good at ping pong, bring it on. All right? I got you. I hope you beat me. You're just going to be better than average to do so. Uh, but anyways, playing, and I noticed that for a couple days that I would be playing, and there was a girl over here that was always studying. Beautiful. Beautiful girl. Not as beautiful as my wife. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Love you, girl, wherever you're at. My baby mama. Um, babies, babies, mama. But I got the courage up one day after just toasting some people. I said, I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to go shoot my shot. Why not, right? I had nice flow. I had, I had hair at one point, right? And I was like, hey, I noticed you've been studying over here a lot. You must be really smart, right? Like, I, don't, I didn't have any pickup lines, guys. It was my looks, okay? My looks. And it hooks, okay? She's like, oh, yeah, you know. And we just kind of like hit it off. And I was like, okay. So I moved to the chair. I was like, so tell me about your life, right? And anyways, we just kept it real surface. I was like, well, do you want to play some ping pong? And she's like, sure, right? Well, I let her win because I'm a gentleman, right? Well, then I was like, well, let's, let's shoot for the gold. Hey, would you like to go on a date with me? And she's like, yes. And so it's <laughs> so like, all right. So I took her to Chili's, all right, balling on a budget. Come on now. And no lie, I was, I don't really get nervous, but I was a little nervous, and I was like a giggly little schoolgirl. Like, 
everything she says, like, oh, that's the funniest thing ever. Like, I would just, she'd ask me something, and I couldn't really answer, and I'd just ask her something. I was like, oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was the weirdest. I don't even know what went on, right? I was just like, you're just so beautiful, right? So I take her back, and um, I go home, and my 12 boys are there, and they're like, so how did it go? Did she realize she was too pretty for you? I was like, I don't know. Like, it was just so awesome. She was so pretty, and they're like, they're poking fun of me, and I was kind of just taking it, and it was funny, all fun and games. I was really excited about it, and I was like, yeah, we got another date in like three days. I'm excited, and anyway, so I'm like cloud nine. I'm walking back to my room, and uh, one of my guys actually followed me back to my room and he kind of sat me down he said Brent like like, I know she's beautiful but like did you get to know her and I was like yeah I got to know her." he's like well what did you get to know about her and I was just like oh I got to know this and he's like but did you get to like ask her the right questions that you've always asked me to ask people I was like no and like you know that's when it's like the truth hits and like you get irritated you're like get away from me Satan right like (laughs) And, but he's like, no, seriously, I, I want to ask you these hard questions because I care about you. And he said something to this degree, and we can't remember exactly what he said, but, but it, it came off this way, and it really hit me in the face. He says, don't let your heart go where your faith can't flourish. And oh my goodness, I was like, oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit's hitting me in the face, like Gabriel's kicking me in the face, like, hello, listen, right, listen. Because he saw my potential as a friend. He saw my failed relationships before. He knew who I was supposed to be in Christ. And he was making sure that I was being the person of God. And I was interrogating like I needed to be. And I was dating like I needed to be. Because he didn't want me to waste time with someone that wasn't going to be there and make me and help me and grow my faith and my character in Jesus. And the next date I took her out and I asked her all the hard questions and she flopped on every single one of them. My friend helped me. See, we got to be intentional with your friends. You need to let your friends be intentional with you. You need to ask for their advice. You need to say, do you like this person? Why don't we hang out more? See, we always want to separate with the, with the girl that we like or separate with the boy that we like. Why don't we like, bring them in and ask your friends, well, do you like them? Why don't you ask them questions? Why don't you kind of help me in this decision along? And I'm telling you, it is so powerful Because if your friends and your community group or your faith partners or the person that's discipling you, whoever you trust to evaluate the other person, listen, be wise here. If they say, you know what, I just don't see how the two of y'all are connecting and how y'all could really grow in Jesus, I promise you, listen to them. It It changed my life when I had counsel around me. So do other people celebrate you? Side note here is that If you want to be the person to tell your friend that and they're not asking, always come in humility. Always come in love and try to figure out the best way that that they can hear it. Because listen, if my buddy would not have pulled me aside and asked me those questions, I promise you I would have kept on pursuing that girl. Number three, not okay being single. A couple of ways that we can look at this. In verse seven, she says, tell me, you whom my soul loves, where is your pasture, your flock? Where you make it lie down at noon? For why should, uh, 
sorry, where you make your plash to your flock. There you go. Where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like the one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Number three is not okay being single. A couple of ways that we look at this um, is this. is What this tells me is she knows A, who exactly she wants. She is going on a mission. She knows exactly who. She knows exactly what he is about. And she is aiming to get him. And she is not, what she says, willing to avail herself with other companions. And that is simply the term that she doesn't want to be a prostitute. Right? She doesn't want to prostitute herself around. She doesn't want to, this is, if we can kind of clean that up a little bit, she doesn't want to waste her time with the wrong person she has patience she has aim she has character and she has a purpose are you okay being single how well are you doing during your wait some of us my question is do you even wait how many of us have never in the past, I don't know, four years gone longer than three or four months without being in a relationship? Do you have to be in a relationship? What are you doing with your singleness? Are you growing in your patience with Jesus? Are you seeing exactly the person that you need in your life? Do you know, and here's, this just kind of came to me, you can't know who you need to be, uh, need to have in your life until you understand who you are in Jesus, right? Man, I need to write a sermon on that. Why didn't I think about that, Jesus? Come on now. Have you ever made Jesus enough in your life to not have to be in a relationship with someone else to feel something. Some of you, before you date, just to kind of go off those questions, maybe you need to ask that person, when was the last time you were in a relationship, or if we say it in modern day terms, when was the last time you were talking to someone, right? Man, if it was just a couple weeks, a couple of months ago, why don't you let it breathe a little bit? Why don't you see how they are in their singleness? I've said this before, you don't need to date somebody who needs to date, who needs someone to make their life meaningful because there's a void in their life that they are trying to fill and only Jesus can fill it and vice versa. If you are pursuing someone who has been in a relationship after relationship with no time being single with Jesus, they have a God-sized void in their life that they are trying to fill, and God is the only one who can fill that. And, and you want to be in a bad relationship. Listen, if you want to be in a bad relationship, then try to fill God-sized holes in someone else's life. And I'm telling you right now, you will always feel defeated, you will always feel hurt, and you will always not be enough. So here's the other side of the question that I think that she answers in this verse is, can girls pursue guys? Hello, four to one, right? Girls and guys here. I think she kind of says like, man, you know, she kind of is answering a part of a question because she's going and she's searching and she's finding. And she's like, well, where can I find you? And she's like, he's like, I, you know where I'm at, girl. Come on now. Like, I'm right over here, right? So can a girl pursue guys? Eh, like, 
I'm not going to say pursue, but I think you can persuade. Okay? Emphasis on this. Caroline and I. Come on now. So Caroline, uh, let's see, this was back in the day. All right, I was a intern at a young singles uh, at a church and a part of the young singles and college ministry. And I got my big opportunity to preach in front of all four or five hundred kids or students and young adults. And um, I was pretty excited about it, but I wanted someone to lead worship. Well, I heard that there was a girl that just got through singing back up for the Jonas Brothers. And I was like, well, what better girl to lead worship than someone who sang for the Jonas Brothers? Yes, my wife singing for the Jonas Brothers. You're welcome. I, I love Jesus for that. Um, and so I found her in a church directory, all right? And I called her up. I said, would you lead worship? This was all business. And she says, yes. And everything went great. Everything went good. Well, listen, after this, she comes up, and I was like, good job, you did great. She's like, hey, my Bible fellowship is having a Halloween party. I'd love for you to come. And I was like, well, I got a Greek test tomorrow. Like, it's so horrible. Ah, right? And so anyways, we kept on talking, and at five minutes later, she's like, hey, you know what? All your friends are coming. Like, you should come, and like, you should, you should be there. And I was like, well, that Greek test, like, you know, blah, right? And then, like... Over my head, guys. Like, finally, like someone gets my attention. I start talking to them. She brings her friend over, and her friend and her start kind of talking. And then, you know, Caroline kind of turns her back a little bit. And this girl is like, "Hey, well, Caroline will be at the party." And then, like, hits me like a ton of bricks. Like, "Oh, Caroline wants me at that party, right?" Like, I was like, "Oh, beautiful girl, me. Oh, okay, awesome, right? There is a God, right?" And <laughs> Hits me like a ton of bricks that, oh, I should be there. She wants me there. So, girls, listen. Guys are stupid. Guys, can we be okay with saying that? Sometimes we're stupid, all right? And sometimes we need a little nudge, okay? You have to be creative sometimes. Maybe you need to do the friend group thing. Oh, your friend group, my friend group, let's hang out, right? And like, oh, I have this private fire in the backyard, right? I don't know, like... Like, or do the, the Christian thing. Hey, you want to go to church, right? I don't have to sit next to. Or, or here's my favorite. All right, use this one. Use this one. Hey, like, all my friends are going to be gone this weekend. Like, I don't have anything to do. I don't know who I'm going to hang out with. Hmm? Right? <laughs> like, like, hello. Like, wake up. Right? So put yourself in the game. All right? Sorry. Let's keep on preaching here. You're welcome. I think number four is lack of clarity in a relationship. I think this is a red flag that many of us overlook. I think this is a red flag a lot of us tuck in our back pocket and we don't, we don't think about anymore. See, this is a man. This is Solomon, the wisest of the land. And he's like, you want to find me? Because she's like, where do I find you? He's like, you know where to find me. This is exactly where I am. You go past this, you go down this trail, and I'm right over here. You know exactly where I am. You know exactly how to find me. See, when in a relationship or, or talking to someone in, about a relationship, there always, always, always has to be clarity. There always has to be direction. Proverbs says that without vision, people will perish. A relationship without vision and without direction, it will perish or it will run aimlessly and it will run you out of energy 
Solomon wanted her to know what she meant to him. And if we look at the biblical text, he's saying, like, you are a mayor among Pharaoh's chariots. And what he was saying, he wasn't saying you look like a horse. What he is saying is that Pharaoh, before any war, all of his soldiers would line up. They had all black horses. It was very beautiful. It was very intimidating. And what would happen is Pharaoh would come in the middle of him, and Pharaoh would have a beautiful, pure, white horse amongst every other horse and it was noticeable and he's saying you know what you're not just a horse I don't know how to say that but but you're not only just a person you are the most beautiful you are important to me you are so important to me that you are just like this he's saying also you know what you're not just beautiful because she's like well I'm, a, I'm just a lily of the field he's not just saying you're a lily fit he said you are a flower amongst the weeds like you are that important to to me that is how much I want to pursue you that is how much I care about you that's how high I lift you up in my mind and lift you up in my heart and this is how much I think Jesus for you because you're not just one of a flower you are a million to one you are that important to me and then in conclusion just in his overall significance and clarity he she says well in chapter 2 verse 4 that he brought me to the banqueting hall and his banner over me was love see wherever he went she's saying that he knew that that he was mine and i knew that he was that, that I was His, and He is proud of me. He encouraged me. He loves me so much. It's almost like a banner is over me. And everybody, everyone in the world knows of His love for me. He's not ashamed of me. He wants to be able to lift me up among everybody. Girls, let me tell you something. Girls, let me just lean into you just a little bit. Don't fall for a boy that doesn't see you like you're one in a million. He needs to look at you. He needs to be proud of you. He needs to be proud to be with you. He needs to tell the world that he is crazy about you and that he wants to he wants to marry you. He wants to be a part of your life forever. He needs to be crazy about somebody. Don't be with someone that doesn't think that you are one in a million. That doesn't clarify who you are to him. Because clarity is key. If, you're, if your guy doesn't clarify anything, listen, please listen. It's because he doesn't see you as someone special. He sees you as someone to feed either his insecurity or his ego. He's using you. And guys, let's flip-flop that. If you don't feel like there's clarity in your relationship and you feel like she's dragging you along and you feel like she's not telling you of her love for you, listen, don't be in that relationship always wondering and questioning, well, does she love me? Does she not? Does she, well, I don't understand what's going on here. Listen, there always has to be clarity. Guys, if we can just lean in a little. Our role before we are a husband to... A woman is that we are a brother to a sister and before we are a brother to a sister we are a son to Jesus and we need to treat Jesus's daughters with respect and how we talk and how we talk about and how we talk to and how we touch and how we act not only because they are sisters in Christ but more importantly because we are sons of Christ if they don't treat you well it's because they don't follow Jesus well and lastly, not least, 
Come on now, i got just a little bit of time to talk about this. And I love how Pastor uh, Dave said this. He said it this way. It's a warning when we compromise sexually. Let's talk about sex a little bit. In verses 5 and 7, she says this, Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O sisters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, listen to this, that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And this is what she is saying here. You ready? She says, don't introduce sex until you can go all the way. There's a reason why it's called turn on, or there's a reason why it is arousal, because we are meant to get that way. We are meant, we are designed by God to be aroused. But what she is saying here is it's an easy switch to turn on, but it's not an easy switch to turn off. That's why you don't introduce sex into a relationship until you can finish the process. You know what I'm saying? You can't just get started with something and it's really hard for us to stop something because we are designed to start it and we're designed to follow it through. Students, if you are in a relationship that is in introducing sex and the person you are, are, are in a relationship with that you're doing that with, it says that, Maybe, just maybe, they're saying, you know what, I'm okay with going against God's Word about this subject because I want to follow what my body is telling me. I don't want to follow what the Word of God is telling me. Listen, this is why it is a warning sign, and I want to warn you from this. There's a reason why there's a 56% divorce rate out there. You ready for this? It's because if they're willing to go against the Word of God before you enter marriage, you know where I'm going with this, What makes them not go against the Word of God after marriage? If they don't don't do sex right now, what makes you think that they're going to do sex right later? What's going to keep them from going outside the bond of marriage and having sex with other people? Is it because that they have a character and love of Jesus Christ now? They're not going to get better. It's going to only become a different situation. So the age-old question that a lot of us get all the time, I love how one guy says it this way, is, there, is what's the line of how far is too far? If we're dating, how far is too far physically? You know, the Bible doesn't talk about a line. A Bible talks about a time. There is a time to have this and to have that. And the time is only under marriage. And I would say, according to the text, you need to protect yourself from starting something that you're not supposed to finish until marriage. Now, having a desire and a passion and a love for, for your girlfriend or for your boyfriend, I think that's just normal. I think, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be like, man, my girlfriend, woo, she's smoking, right? Or my boyfriend, man, he's got booty for days, right? Like, I'm just like, man, that's... That's just part of the process. I understand that. And I think it's important to be attracted to the person that you want to marry. But acting on those and starting something that you can't finish is where we go wrong. If he or she can't wait for you and for a couple years to get married, then they deserve a lifetime without you. Because you're worth it. 
Sex, according to the Proverbs, says it can be intoxicating and it can put you in a mindset that in all honesty cannot make you think clearly. Right? And uh, inside of marriage, it welds two people together and it connects them intimately and it expresses so much love and passion and it just bonds your relationship in such a way where it can be sometimes what, like the Bible says, it can be intoxicating. One pastor says, you're not supposed to drive drunk, so you're not supposed to date drunk. And dating with sex can almost be like you are drunk because you are numbing your senses, you are numbing your mind, and it can can make make it make you stay in relationship longer than you're supposed to because sex is a beautiful thing that we can talk about. It's okay to talk about sex. The Bible talks about sex, but it's a beautiful thing that it helps you it, it helps that Jesus has made in your life and it can help you overcome so many things in a relationship because it can bond you in such a way that, that when this happens, it can actually make you forget about some of the other things that you can look over. It helps you overcome some of the small things and bring a little passion back into the relationship. Students, listen, if you are dating and you are having sex, it will keep you in a relationship because it intoxicates you. It numbs your mind to overlook some of the warnings and some of the obstacles in your life that are huge warning signs, and it can almost dull you to not be able to see them. And let's just think beyond that, and let's just be a little personal here. What about the scars that we have from some of our past sexual experiences? I deal with people all the time that they carry a lot of this baggage and they have been sexually compromising in the past. And I'm telling you, when they focus on that and when they think about it, it wrecks them. It really, it, it just hurts them. Some of you are feeling it right now, just like, why would I do that? Why did I let this happen to me? And students, listen, I need you to know this. Just because you have had sex in the past doesn't mean that you need to have sex right now. You can always turn. You can always grow past it. You can, because God designed sex, but He also designed forgiveness and restoration. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows exactly where you're at. and He wants to be able to grow in you in such ways. It doesn't matter what the past holds. He cares about what the future holds. And if you can give your past to Him, then He can give you a brighter future than you could ever imagine. We need to grow from the past. And listen, sex is very powerful. It's it's productive. It's, it's, it's fun, okay? Sex is fun. Am I allowed to say that? Is that weird? All right? Come on now. Three babies for a reason. Golly, my wife's going to kill me for saying that. Oof. But for it to be those things, for it to be powerful, to be restored, for it to be passionate in your life, it needs to be done the way that Jesus made it. Amen? When you use it this way, it doesn't only glorify your relationships, but it glorifies Jesus who created And I want to talk more about sex later on uh, down the road, but um, I just wanted to close up. I wanted to give you all the five warning signs uh, to not overlook in relationships. I want you to look at your why. Why do they love me and why do I love them? Is it because of their character? Or is it because of their looks or something other than Jesus? I want you to, too, do other people celebrate your relationships. 
uh, because that people are looking at you saying, you know what, they are good for you and you are good for them and you both honor and glorify Christ. Number three, are you okay being single? Are they okay being single? Are they filling that void that they need in their life with Jesus? Number four is their clarity in the relationship. Girls, I think this a little bit more leans on you. Don't let him use you. Don't let him not honor you and glorify you and lift you up and say, you know what, you are an amazing person in my life and I want to respect you. And number five, are you compromising sexually? Are you being able to give what's, what's, are you doing things out of the timeline that Jesus wants in your life? And I'm telling you, you will never feel like you're honoring Christ with all of your life if you are having sex in it. Because I'm telling you, it just does, it just makes you, it just numbs you. It just makes your spirit just feel numb. And so, let's pray. Come on now. Come on. Jesus, we thank you for you. We love you. We want to just encourage these students to be able to take these warning signs and to be able to grow uh, with them. And Lord, if they are dealing with something, I beg, I beg, I beg for two things. First, I would love for them to come down and maybe lay some things at the feet of Jesus down here at the front. Maybe they need to pray with someone. we got prayer people up front. we got prayer people in the middle. Uh, maybe just maybe they're a little scared to do that. And we got prayer cards in, in, in the seats that they can fill out and pull out into the box and that we can pray for them for. for. But, but Lord, we just ask for their courage. We ask for their strength to be able to honor you in all that they do and say. Some of us are in a relationship right now that we know that we are not supposed to be in. It is not glorifying. It is not God-honoring. And maybe, just maybe, we take that step today saying, you know what? You're a great person. You're just not the person for me. I need to go make sure that I'm right with Jesus. And honestly, I need to go find somebody that is loving Jesus, that has a character for Jesus, that other people can speak highly about, and that, that I can be able to be the woman of God that I need to be, or I need to be the man of God that I need to be. Lord, relationships are important to us. It is the second biggest decision of our life, and let us do it well, and let us do it right. Lord, be with us as we worship these last couple songs. Let us give you everything. Let's give you honor and praise. For it's in your name. Amen. Let's stand up.